Acts chapter 16, verse number 25. I'm going to read out the message translation. You're in for a real treat today. We've got two beautiful ladies that are going to help me this morning teach the Word of God for a few moments. And uh, so turn to Acts chapter 16. I'll start it off, and then we'll turn it over to them. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn unto God. Aren't you glad Paul and Silas sang hymns? Yes, three of you are glad they sang hymns. (laughs) The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open and all the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, verse 27 says, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in. You know what that means, do himself. He about to cut himself. <laughs> Figuring he was as good as dead anyway. What, do you, what does that mean, Pastor? It means that his authorities over him were going to kill him if he allowed the prisoners to escape. So he was just going to do himself in. When Paul stopped him and yelled, don't do that, we're all still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the Master Jesus. Then you'll live as you were meant to live. Now notice this next phrase. And everyone in your house included. Verse 32, they went on to spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family, the entire family got in on this part. They never did get to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait till morning, was baptized. He and everyone in his family, everybody got saved and baptized. There in his home, he had food set out for a festive meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family, everybody say entire family. He and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house, everybody say everyone in the house. Everyone in the house house was in on the celebration. Last week I called our FWC church family to a month of prayer. That this month of May we're going to specifically... Spend a few moments every day. We're asking every person who calls Family Worship Center their home church to spend a few months, a moments every day in prayer for specific needs. And last week, our prayer focus was on the spiritual harvest. And in our prayer focus, we specifically asked the Lord to open our eyes to the lostness of humanity. We ask Him to send laborers into His harvest field. And we also ask Him to give us a courage to be a witness for Him. Today when you walked in to the main building, you received your bulletin and another page, which is our prayer focus for this week. And since this is Mother's Day, it's only fitting that this week we spend a few moments every day, and I'm asking every member of our church, to spend a few moments this week, every day, praying for our families. 
And we've listed four things, specific things, we want to ask the Lord for in that prayer focus. Now, last week we learned an important lesson about prayer, and we learned it from James chapter 5, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, if you have it in your iPad or on your phone, turn over to James chapter 5, verse number 16. Notice what the Holy Spirit says through the writer James. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Over the last 20 years, there's been much emphasis on small groups and 12-step recovery. And we thank God for that. And because of that emphasis, a lot of people now just automatically understand the benefits of confession with one another. But notice what the last sentence of that verse says. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That phrase, avails much, means makes much power available. What makes power available? Effective prayer. Notice what it says. The effective, fervent prayer. Did you know if prayer can be effective, that means it can be ineffective. See, a lot of people don't know this. They just put prayer all together and start praying. And they don't realize that prayer has rules. Prayer has guidelines. There's different kinds of prayer. And the reason I hear it all the time, I've asked people, how's your prayer life? They'll say, well, pastor, I don't pray much. I say, why not? Because I'm just not getting any answers. I'm not getting any. And the reason that people don't get answers is because they are not praying effectively. Did you know that the Apostle John said it this way? That I have this confidence. 1 John chapter 5 says, I have this confidence. What confidence, John? That if I ask anything according to His will, that I know He hears me. And that if He hears me, I know that I have the petitions that I've desired of Him. Did you know every prayer can be answered? Every prayer can be answered. I know we hear it all the time. It's a religious tradition. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes God answers no. Sometimes God answers uh, wait a while. Well, you can't find that in the Scripture. I mean, it sounds good, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's not biblical. John said it this way. We have this confidence, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. And if He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. He went on to say this, if you abide in me, Jesus said, if you abide in me and and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. He said, you have not because you ask not. He says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open. Our prayer life can be a wonderful blessing to your life and to your family if we learn to pray effectively. And you say, and and people say, well, I just have never been taught how to pray. I didn't even know you were supposed to be taught how to pray. You know, that's the way most of us were raised. We got saved, we got in a church, and then we just have people tell us, now go pray. So we just went and prayed, and we just prayed what we'd heard somebody praying. (laughs) I remember I was a little fella, and I was sitting in my grandfather's church. And the custom was, back in those years ago, in those small... Pentecostal churches, I don't know how it was in the church you grew up in, but when he would call for the ushers to come forward and take the offering, much like we did this morning. And the custom was like this. Uh, He would call, my grandfather would call on one of the ushers to pray over the offering. Does anybody, was anybody in one of those churches where the ushers were? And I never will forget that Sunday morning. I was sitting there and all of a sudden my granddad asked for this usher to pray over the offering. And I remember the prayer. It went just like this. Lord, we are thankful for this food. 
Bless, the, bless this food and the hands that prepared it. May it bring nourishment to our bodies and our bodies to your service in Jesus' name. <coughs> and I popped my head up and I said to my cousin, I said, he just prayed over the meal. We're taking the offering. Are we eating today? Come to realize the guy only knew one prayer. He only knew one prayer. Now, if you're having an eating meeting, he's your man. But if you're in trouble and need somebody to get you out of a bad mess, he's not the call guy to call. The only person he can draw up in prayer is the Domino Pizza Man. And, and that'll be a blessing to you if you're hungry, but not if you're in trouble. Do you realize what the Bible says? That we ought to be students of prayer. As Christians question, do I have a desire to learn how to pray? Do I even know I was supposed to learn how to pray? Look what Paul said. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. He said this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, now notice this next phrase, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. But notice what he says there. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. With all kinds of prayers. With all kinds... You mean there's, there's, there's different kinds of prayers? Of course there is. The Bible teaches us that. The Bible lets us know there's the prayer of faith. The Bible talks about the prayer of consecration. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of worship. United prayer, private prayer, praying in the Spirit, prayer, the prayer of commitment, the prayer of binding and loosing. The Bible talks about all these different types of prayers, and there's rules and boundaries for each one. Just like you don't play football by baseball rules, and you don't play basketball by soccer rules. Likewise, there are rules that govern each prayer. There are rules that trigger each prayer that will cause them to be effective. And unfortunately, many of us Christians have never been taught how to effectively pray. So we don't get our prayers answered. This morning, I want to ask two ladies to come forward, two moms to come forward and teach us just for a few minutes on how to pray effectively for our family. The first mom I want to ask to come is Sarah Simmons, Sarah Beth Simmons. She grew up in our church in all good Tennessee. Sarah Beth is the wife of Pastor Stephen Simmons, our family's ministry pastor. She is a graduate of Raymond Bible Training Center and, and uh, is a wonderful young lady. She's going to teach her. I've asked her to teach us on how to pray for our children who are still in the nest. How to pray for our children who are still in the nest. Make welcome, Sarah. Would you do that? Thank you all. Um, so naturally, just today being Mother's Day, um, I think of my mom. And uh, most of you don't know my mom. Uh, some of you may. But if you know her, you love her. Um, my mom, she truly was the glue that just held us together. Um, and she's my go-to. Um, in fact, I was reminded also of a particular time that I needed my mom. So I call her up because I had just been through a very traumatic event, the grocery store, with all three kids. Y'all know, y'all know. Uh, that place, 
prepared with your children has the ability to drain out every bit of Jesus that you have daily devotion within yourself. I am sweating by the time I leave. So I call my mom up, and I'm like, how did you do it? You had one more. How did you do it? And she laughs at me, and she lets me swim in my sorrow just a little bit. And she said, nothing profound, but she said, you just do it. I just did it. I'm fully convinced that my mom was able to just do this because she did what we're going to talk about today, and that is praying for your children. Um, This morning, I want to spend just a little bit of time encouraging you and challenging you to pray for the children that are still in your nest, still in your home. Last week, uh, Pastor Eddie's message, we learned that praying God's word is most effective and it produces fruit. So today I want to talk about using God's word to pray for your children. The first way is to speak scripture over your children. I was reading the Amplified in Jeremiah uh, chapter 1. Um, verses 1 through 12, this passage talks about Jeremiah's call and his commission. And I would label being a mom, I would label motherhood as a call, as a commission. As Jeremiah realizes the task um, set before him, he begins to plead with the Lord um, and share with the Lord that he's not, he's, he's not capable, that he's, he might not be enough for this. Um, And as moms, have you felt that way? Yes, yes, Uh, me too. So uh, since today's Mother's Day, let's look at this passage just a little bit um, in reference of us as mothers as we're venturing out, raising our children. Um, Verse, um, after Jeremiah pleads with the Lord, I love how the Lord responds. Um, Verse 8 might be my favorite. In the Amplified, it says, Do not be afraid of them or their hostile faces. (laughs) He says, for I am with you always to protect you and to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 9, then the Lord stretched out his hand. He touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, behold, hear me. I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over nations, over the kingdoms to uproot and break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The last part of verse 12, it says, For I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Actually, verse 12, not verse 8, is what led me to this passage. When the Lord says that he is watching over his word to fulfill it. Another translation says to perform it. The Lord needed Jeremiah to speak his word. And the Lord also needs us to speak his word over our children. And when we speak out his word, verse 12 says that he is watching it so that he can perform that. Uh, Verse 10, it shows us the power that we have. It says that we 
are able to uproot and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. There are going to be times that it is our responsibility. The scripture says that we can uproot. There are going to be times that things are going to try to sneak in and we get to uproot that. There are also going to be times where we get to build our children up, that we get to plant inside of them. Those are God's word gets to do that. And as we speak that out over our children, it is there so that he can perform it. If we're not speaking these scriptures over our children, I'm convinced that we are not fully using God's word to its full capacity. So some of the ways that we can speak his scripture, um, first is to find scripture that pertain to a specific situation. Um, When my girls were smaller, they, um, I was just noticing, you know, as they were growing up together and just as trying to be the best parent that you can, and I was just noticing, you know, they weren't sharing very well, and this is mine, and no, you can't borrow that, no, you can't have that, and I just wasn't okay with that. Um, so, finding scriptures, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, and I know that they were little at the time, um, but I would speak over them. To do that, Sophie, she will do nothing out of selfish ambition. And Riley, she will do nothing out of selfish ambition. And uh, then I began to let them say that. And they were like, what? You know, of course, those words are too big for them at the time. Um, but they know what that means now. Um, in fact, they were in Impact Girls, and uh, they were going over the scripture. And Sophie said, oh, I know that one. <laughs> They're like, oh, you do? She's like, yeah, my mom used to make me say that all the time. Uh, the last part of that scripture, it says that they would see others' interests before that they would see their own. Um, so that's just something that we're still practicing, that we're still, that we're still doing and praying over. But so number one is to find scriptures that pertain to your specific situation. Uh, another way is to place your child's name inside that scripture. Just these last few months, this last year, there was a particular situation with one of my daughters, and we began to see anxiety and fear try to squeeze its way in, and again, we were not okay with that. Um, so we found scripture. You all know this one, Second Timothy 1, seven. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mom. So we didn't just put our one in there. We, just, we began to pray that over all three of them. And I would say that God has not given Sophie. God has not given Riley. God has not given Jack a spirit of fear, but he has given them of power and of love and a sound mind. You know, we had another situation where one of ours was, had just a little bit of trouble telling the truth. So find that scripture that said that, and place your child's name in there, that they will only speak the truth that is hidden in their heart, that only truth will leave their lips. Um, find those scriptures. Place your child's name inside that scripture. And so another one is uh, to make a routine. And what I mean by that is maybe you have to write it down. Maybe you write out your prayer, uh, find those scriptures that you need, that you want to daily cover your kids in. In our household, uh, it's the armor of God. You know, as we are praying over them, we're reminding them that they have the belt of truth, that they have peace, the shoes of peace, and they they have the shield of faith and uh, their helmet of salvation and that the spirit, the 
the word, the sword of the spirit. Uh, we are speaking that over our kids. And now as they are getting in the routine, they are speaking those things out for themselves. Another routine that we have is protection. Psalms uh, 91 um, verses 9 through 14. I love it all. But we pray, uh, verse 11, it says that he will give his, cha- his angels charge over us and he will protect you wherever you go. So that's what we pray. We thank you, Father, that you give your angels charge over us, that you protect us. Verse 14, I say, because I love you, because we love you, you will protect those because I trust in your name. And so find those in the routine. Another one is bedtime for us. Uh, I would notice that maybe fear would try to sneak in there and that their sleep would be uh, interrupted. So there's a scripture in Proverbs uh, 3.24. It says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So that's another scripture just in our routine that we pray over that when uh, Sophie lays her head on the pillow, that she will have sweet sleep and rest. Um, I just remember growing up um, as the car seemed to be that place of routine for um, my sisters and my family with my mom, whether she was dropping us off at school or whether she was dropping us off at a friend's house or we were going out of town to visit our grandparents. I love to hear my mom pray, and I still love to hear my mom pray to this day, but that was our routine, and I can still remember the scriptures that she would pray over us, and I remember certain times we would bow our heads and pray and and she'd say in the name of Jesus, amen. And we, you know, we were ready to talk. And she wasn't finished. She said, and Satan. <laughs> and she'd start telling him, putting him in place too. So those were routines. And still to this day, some of those same scriptures are the scriptures that I pray over my kids in that routine. So ways to speak scripture is to find scriptures that pertain to your specific situation. Number two, place your child's name in that scripture. Number three is to make a routine. And if there's one other way that I would tell you on how to pray for your children that are still in your house is your own prayer language. Jude 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We are strengthened ourselves when our faith is strong and it helps us to not grow weary. As you begin to pray, As you begin to rely on the Holy Spirit, you are strengthened and you will not grow weary. The scripture talks about the Holy Spirit to be our comfort and to be our guide and our teacher and our helper, our standby. Those are all things that we need as mom. The Bible also talks about that the Holy Spirit is there to pray when we don't know what to pray. Are there times that you're just unsure of what to pray? That's when it's important that the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, that's when he gets to pray. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, he knows the perfect will of the Father. As we pray in the Spirit, it is allowing the Holy Spirit to pray the Father's perfect will over our children. Growing up, my youth pastor, he would find me wherever I was, at school or at church or at Taco Bell or out in town, wherever, and he would say, Sarah, when's the last time you prayed in the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you prayed in tongues? And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Well, you better believe if I knew I was going to see him, I was prayed up. I had that moment. I wanted to know. 
I am so thankful. I am so grateful that he challenged me in that area because it's a tool that I use every day. I rely on the Holy Spirit every day to help me parent my kids. So when Pastor asked if I would talk about a few ways praying over your children, just naturally um, using God's Word, using His Scripture, is so big in my life, and then to rely on the Holy Spirit. She's a sweetheart. She's got three other sisters. I call them the McNeely girls. All of them are serving the Lord, love Jesus. A couple of them are in ministry. One of them's the wife of a doctor. And uh, so they're just a precious family, and we've seen faith work in their home. This next lady has a 31-year-old son and a 26-year-old daughter. And uh, I've asked her to come and, pr- and teach us on how to pray for our children who have left the nest or you're wanting to leave the nest. Would you make welcome Amanda Turner? Would you do that? Or if you have a failure to launch... The Lord can help with that. Amen. (laughs) Well, happy Mother's Day to you and Sarah, as always. I love to hear you speak, and this girl, I've seen her grow up. But uh, I could relate to so much of what she said because that's exactly what we practiced with our children when they were smaller. And, you know, actually, both of my children, when they were at home and younger, they were so much fun. I mean, I... um, we loved all of their activities. They were funny. We would catch ourselves laughing, the humor. They loved to be with adults. So they, uh, we never had to take them out in a restaurant. I can't remember one time they acted up with a rest, in a restaurant. They were very well versed in how to talk to people. And we were always just so, so proud of them. Um, we enjoyed all the activities throughout school. And in fact, sometimes I had a, I had a hard time relating to some parents that had hard kind of strong-willed children or acted up all the time or just threw themselves on the floor and anybody got any of those in here I have some grandchildren like that now (laughs) so that would really act up I had a hard time relating to them because we had had such a what seemed like a fairy tale home life with our kids um it was it was like we almost lived in the land of Oz and and this was kind of our theme song Then things began to ramp up just a little bit as they became teenagers. Casey had two weeks of stupid. Two weeks. And when she did those, she did those two weeks good, but she had two weeks of stupid. And then I think I threatened her life and I scared her so bad she straightened back up, honestly. But even Tyler, when he was, he was still obeying through his teenage years. We did increase the discipline on him. We increased it and increased it, but he was really a great kid, and we, we enjoyed even those teenage years. Then Tyler went off to college, and that's when we slowly began 
to leave the land of Oz. In fact, somewhere between high school and the end of college, our son stopped being a leader and he started being a follower. Both of my kids have always been leaders in everything that they've done. But somewhere when he left home, he got lost on the journey. And he began to follow instead of lead. How, I, I, I've asked the Lord so many times, how could two children that were raised in the same house, two children who had the same rules, two children that had the same godly parents, two children that were shown the same love, How could two children act so differently? What happened? Well, life happened. And now as parents, we had what seemed like no control over the situation. Can anybody relate in this room? I know there are people that can relate to it. When we began to slowly leave the land of Oz and the fairy tale life that we had had, Satan began to tell us that our song had changed He began to tell us what could not happen. He began to tell us that we were, that being godly parents were were not enough, and it was not enough. He changed our songs. For you see, I thought that when our children turned 18 and left the nest, that we would have this empty nest, wonderful life. We would stay in the land of Oz and carefree and the rest, lots of money. We wouldn't have to spend on our children anymore. And Things would be so wonderful and happy. But you see, the work was just beginning. And this was Satan's song for our life at that time. That's what it seemed like. That's what it seemed like every night when we would lay our head down, that our son was not coming home, our son was lost, that our family was never going to be whole again, that, uh, that Satan had our son. And uh, that, was, that was the demonic stronghold in our minds every night when we laid our, our, our head on our pillows. And also, although there are different stages and seasons of parenting responsibilities, you know, Even when our children become 18, our children are in our hearts and in our mind. They are with us for the rest of our lives. If you are, you know, I felt a check in the first service and I didn't say it, and Father, forgive me, but if you are in this room and you you are beginning to step out on your own away from your parents, just realize that your parents are in your life for the rest of your life. And as parents, we, we... our responsibility is to pray, them, pray for them. When we see life happening to our adult children, we must resist the fear and we must step up our prayer work. Prayer may be the only peace that we can find right now when it comes to our adult children, and prayer is exactly what we need. We can't fix our children, parents. I'm a fixer. I don't like that. We can't fix our children, but God can fix our children. And God is, God is only invited into their situation through prayer. So as parents, we need to be the ones that are praying. Let me encourage you and say that God is a redeemer 
and redemption is his his specialty. Praise God. God is a redeemer, and redemption is his specialty. He is a restorer of the wasted years. Can I tell you, I wish I could tell you that as I began to pray, that we began to see instant, spontaneous things happen in our child's life. But let me tell you that it took almost five years of praying with very little hope in those five years that anything was changing before we began to see the fruit of our prayers. We had to walk by faith for those years. Many times our family didn't know, our church family didn't know, only our immediate family knew the prayers that we were having to lift up to, to save our son. Five years of faith. And just because we began to see the fruit, guess what? The prayers were not over. They were not over. Let me tell you five quick things, that, because I know our, my time is running out. But five quick things to remember as you fight in prayer for your children. Guess what? Nobody else besides a grandparent and a, and a parent is going to fight for your children. Did you know that? It's our responsibility. So number one, be encouraged. God loves your children and he hears you when you pray and he's working for our good. That's according to Romans 8:28. We're praying the words over our kids. Number two, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. For fear is the absolute opposite of faith. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Number three, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Pastors preached about how that, that, that means his hand is open. It's extended. It's open, ready to bless. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. He, if rewards, rewards are good, aren't they? And good is on the way. So he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews 11, 6. Be encouraged as you pray these things. Number four. What seems impossible to man, guess what? It is possible with God. If I had about 10 or 12 hours, I would tell you some of the things that, that we have been through as a family. That we would say it's impossible. The world would say it's impossible. But with God. It is possible. We're, we're a product of that. That's Luke eighteen twenty seven. And number five, God is no respecter of persons, according to Acts ten thirty four. Many times I held on to that verse alone. That's what, what the Lord has done for one. Find what the Lord has done for one. And he is bound by his word that he will do it for you. He is no respecter of persons. So hold on to that. And, of course, I love a good ending to a story. Do anybody turn to the back of the book when you're reading a a book to see what happens? You get into it and you read it. Well, I want to give you a a good ending to my story. My precious son, he's not here in service with us this morning. I wish he was. He's already texted me and said that he loves me and happy Mother's Day. Um, But he's a little busy this morning because he's worshiping with his father-in-law, who's a pastor and his new wife, and their children in another city. And he happens to just be playing the bass on a worship team. Oh, I'm sorry that didn't excite you, but this is my party. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) To even say those words, 
I'm not kidding you. Pastor Eddie and I, we will be in the car. We'll get off the phone with our, our dear son, and we laugh so hard at the devil because there has been such a turnaround in our family and in his life. So through prayer, we've put Satan under our feet, and the Lord has given us a new song. And I want you... You adults, the you parents in this room, grandparents in this room, because grandparents suffer with parents when there's wayward children. I want you to, to adopt. I'm going to give you. I'm going to let you have this song, too. And remember, God's no respecter of person. Take hope today in this song. Grab a hold of this song, and this one's yours. God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see He will make a 